Welcome to the Libertarian Tex-Mex Podcast with your host, Caesar Aguirre. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Happy Monday or Tuesday or depending on whenever you uh, listen to this. Hopefully you are starting off the week good. Um, I know myself, I've got a, got a pretty good, good hefty week coming up ahead of me. Um, a lot of times I spend most of my time doing a lot of technical stuff, but this week it looks like I'm actually going to be out uh, <clears throat> engaging with some humans. <laughs> No, but going out and um, we're doing some volunteer events here in the Houston area, and uh, it'll be good to go out, you know, go out and help some people, and uh, do something outside of technical work, and uh, just in you know enjoy yourself, have fun, and doing something for the community. Uh, I think you know um, nonprofit slash volunteer work is so um, I wouldn't say underutilized. But it's something that we definitely don't talk about a whole lot. Because I know, I, I don't even say it's underutilized because I know tons of people who do volunteer work and nonprofit work um, who are out there helping the community with or without their government funding, right? They are out there doing it, whether it's private money or state or federal, whatever. They don't care, right? They're just out there for the cause. And, uh, you know, to me, to plugging it in with all the stuff we talk about, I, I was just listening to. Uh, a great debate on um, <clears throat> capitalism versus democratic socialism um, even though those two things are exactly the same um, but you know for the most part I think what the democratic socialist was saying was you know capitalists are only interested in profits and money and uh, I think there's so many great examples of how there is more than you know more to capitalism than, um, you know, um, the control of capital or money, so to speak, which is actually a misnomer, right? Capitalism was a word invented uh, by Karl Marx, um, and um, you know that it, it was his interpretation of what a free market system is, which is the control of capital, and he based his whole thing around that, right? So the control of capital means Control of property, control of profits, control of people. Now, that's not really the full explanation of what free market and free enterprise is, right? We, we as libertarians, we view the free market as voluntary exchange. Um, people who are willfully doing business with other people without, without the government giving them the thumbs, thumbs up or the thumbs down, right? Um, and I think I'd mentioned this before, you know, somebody I just met who came from another country, um, you know, mentioned this, I, this astonishing idea that he didn't need the government's permission to start a business. And he thought it was such a novelty idea or so cool, so amazing, because the country he comes from, you have to get the government's permission to do everything. So um, I thought I thought it was such a great note to see. You know, people coming in from other countries, immigrants, who are here 
for exactly the reasons that we love the United States, that we love Texas, right? It's a free market. It's a, it's a, a free trade um, open system where you can start a business whenever you want to and go out there and do business, right? And you will be judged by the quality of your work, you know? Uh, and I granted, I know there's some, you know, uh, some things you got to watch for, like, you know, people who, you know, defraud, uh, you know, investors or customers. And, and there's, you know, and I think that's another thing that we always, uh, we don't really talk about too much as libertarians is the times that we do need government, right? Because libertarianism, as we've said before, is not anarcho-capitalism, right? It's not just you know, so to speak, anarchy out in the world where there's no government and everybody's just doing willy-nilly, right? Um, you know, libertarians recognize we do need government and we need kind of a, a more efficient, um, you know, less burdensome type of government so people can go out there and freely do the things they want to do and have choice. And then, you know, maybe we have government out there to protect those individual choices, those individual liberties. Make sure people aren't defrauding you or, um, you know, um, arbitration, you know, if there's a private contract and uh, somebody's not living up to their bargain, you know, negotiations, right? Um, and that's where things like collective bargaining of workers and stuff like that uh, comes in. You know, and it's weird. I think us as libertarians, maybe we don't really... Uh, you know, do a an, you know a good argument enough to to um, you know for people to realize that the libertarian free market system um, does also involve these things, such as a court system, such as some type of efficient regulation, uh, not you know the regulations we have right now, which is just like mountains and mountains of regulations that make no sense. You know, maybe we bring it down to more meaty, more relevant. Uh, regulations um, and then and then uh, we make sure that everybody's individual rights are protected that nobody's violating or forcing other people onto things so we realize as libertarians that we do need a, a form of government a level of government um, to help bolster and maintain those individual rights in the free market so there has to be some type of protection and I think what we argue as libertarians is just the amount, right? The percentage or level of involvement of government versus the free market or voluntary exchange. And I think as libertarians, I think we really need to let people know that like, hey, we're not about just complete anarchy, you know? Um, we, do believe, we do believe a government should exist. Um, otherwise we would just be anarcho-capitalist. And don't get me wrong, there are anarcho-capitalists out there um, who have their own ideas of how a system can work. And I think those are also great ideas. Um, and so there's nothing to say that those things are wrong. Um, but I think as libertarians, as kind of mainline, uh, if you're voting Libertarian Party, you believe in a, a form of government that's gonna protect your individual rights, that's gonna protect the Constitution, that does have the capability to enforce those individual rights um, and protect you from people who would take your rights away. Um, I think that makes sense. Now, do people go too far with that? Absolutely, right? Um, you could probably look at our, our foreign policy and how much, you know, how much we go to war with other people 
and realize like, okay, maybe they're taking this idea of protecting our freedoms a little too far, right? Like people who are, aren't even, you know, attacking the United States, we're all up in their business right now, um, only because we're trying to preempt it, right? And that's a strategy of preemptive, uh, preemptive threat. And, um, you know, it costs the taxpayers a ton of money. So, you know, we look at that and go, is it, is it really worth it? And I think we need to talk about those things you know, maybe maybe not paint such a broad brushstroke, but maybe look at it, you know, piece at a time and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. We need to get rid of that. This makes sense. OK, let's keep that there. This doesn't make sense. We need to get rid of that. So I, I think there needs to be a good, healthy conversation about that balance between when the government is needed and when the free market is needed. And I think that really helps libertarians especially when you're talking to other people who have different ideas, right? Like a conservative or a liberal. Uh, and, and honestly, both of those positions favor government intervention. It's just a different type of intervention, right? So I think we need to have those conversations to say, hey, look, we do believe that the government has some part here. How much is up for debate, right? We need to talk about how much, when, when is it, when does it make sense and when it doesn't make sense. And then on top of that, just because the government isn't regulating something doesn't mean you as an individual can't regulate yourself, you know? So if you think about both sides, if you look at something like, uh, like abortion, right? Pro-life versus pro-choice, you know, a conservative believes that we have to protect the life of an unborn child versus the, the life of the mother. Um, or giving you that choice to decide if you want to be a mother or not. Um, and for them, they'd rather use the government to regulate that behavior versus allowing the choice in the market and then you choosing to, you know, voluntarily convince people um, that this is not a good idea, right? Like in, the, in, in free choice, you choose to keep a child, right? You choose to be pro-life. But you don't need the government to tell you which way to go. You should be able to decide on your own and let other people decide on their own. Same thing on the other side. You know, you have um, a lot of liberals, a lot of progressives who are um, very much against pro-choice in education. Um, and then um, they want this top-heavy monopolistic view of education versus giving people choices and options in the education market. And uh, they would rather control your education as they see fit and not give you the option to choose for yourself which way you want to go, you know? So even systems that are quasi moving in the direction of libertarianism, like a voucher system, to allow you to take your money, your, your hard-earned tax dollars, into a school that you want to take your kids at and take your money and move it there, they don't want you to do that. And and for me, it's a completely like uh, WTF, man. Like, what the hell? Um, you're pro-choice on this thing, but you're not pro-choice on this thing? Like, you're, you know, honestly, you're not really pro-choice, right? Um, you're, you're, you're really pro-abortion and pro-state schooling, you know? So, uh, anyways... Some of those things we call you, know, we could you could totally call uh, those you know conservatives and progressives about, but really we need to have that discussion as libertarians, and let people know that hey we actually do believe in a government. Somebody has to enforce private contracts. 
somebody has to protect private property, um, somebody has to protect individual rights, um, somebody has to protect us from a legitimate threat to national security, not, uh, I'm sorry, I would say national defense, like somebody's legitimately trying to invade our borders type of thing, like an actual army, not protesters coming from Guatemala, right? Um, so I think we need to be a little bit more clear when we come into those nuances. So that's kind of what I, the, the topic I wanted to bring about today. Um, you know, hot, you know, the hot topic right now is this immigrant immigration, uh, I'm sorry, immigrant caravan. I, I don't even want to call it a caravan because it's, it's not even a caravan, right? It's just a huge mass of people. Um, you know, coming up, they've already been through Mexico. They're on their way up through to the U.S. border for end goal. I'm not really sure. So there's a lot of misinformation out there, and that's why I wanted to talk about, you know, where does the libertarian principle lie? Where does the principle lie? And then where can you actually, what's the actual application? And I think that's another thing that, if and, and not to be too critical of my libertarian colleagues or anything like that uh but for sure you know talking to ourselves and looking at those rooms for improvement you know we we have to paint a better picture about what we believe and then understand the difference between what is our like theoretical principle and then what what's the science what's the evidence the empirical evidence for that topic and then what's a more logical approach to that topic that may not be the full-blown theory of like you know uh, the purest form but can we get us a little closer to that i think that that's still a good idea so anyways uh, that's my opinion though i'm totally up to see what uh, my fellow tex-mex libertarian tex-mex out there uh, what they think um but for sure you know i think as texans as uh, people who are in a, in a huge mix of culture it's not just you know, it's not just white people versus Latinos and, and Mexican-Americans versus uh, African-Americans or anything like that. We're kind of a mix, you know, even even my African-American friends and colleagues, um, they're totally blended in with, you know, Mexican-American culture as well as, you know, kind of the uh, Caucasian, European, you know, German immigrant culture that's come about. And likewise, everybody else is kind of borrowing from each other. We have Creole and Cajun influence. Um, Mexican-American, now we've got Vietnamese and then Asian influences in the Houston area. So we're just becoming this huge hodgepodge of, you know, taking from this and borrowing from that and sharing it with each other. And for me, that's like, that was, you know, that was my whole inspiration for starting this is like understanding that libertarianism for Texans and, you know, uh, for me, Houstonians, means something very different when you apply it in the real in real world <laughs> uh, means something different but we we see it every day the free market free trade voluntary exchange we see this every freaking day but we don't use it as examples of uh, of a free market society of a libertarian capitalist society but you know food is such a big thing you know food uh, and mixing of cultures is something that you totally get in the free market that you don't get in a controlled regulated system right people people in countries and in cultures of control 
tend to use regulations as a boundary for other people. And very specific, and this is something I try to tell uh, my fellow uh, Latinos and Mexican-Americans, is that regulation and you know the use of controlled systems is the easiest way to keep out minority groups, right? Uh, if you're African-American or if you're a Latino, um, it's very easy for people uh, in power to use the system against you, you know, because it's so broad, it's so wide, um, you know, uh, they have such control over so many parts of us that allowing them more power is going to bite us in the rear, right? And I've seen it happen time and time again, you know, so the, you know, really the solution we need to look for is offering more leeway, more solution, more people to decide in their own markets without those boundaries, without those limitations, and being able to go in and break up a system and start something new. You know, that was the whole history of Tex-Mex in general, right? You had Mexican-Americans and Mexican immigrants, um, you know, cooking food uh, their way, right? But then you had some, you know, curious gringos and, you know, uh, you know German and uh, American settlers coming in and going, what are you guys eating, you know? And then it's like, oh, well, we're eating this food, you know, this type of dish. Maybe they didn't like it because uh, maybe the, you know, Caucasian, um, you know, a German-American uh, settler didn't like it because maybe it was too spicy or something like that. So they they softened it up a little bit, um, made it a little bit more palatable for people. Um, and then now you have this this food that everybody likes right um and it's incredible and it's just a just a slight change of interaction and there's some great history in in texas and specifically in the houston area of where the latino community and very specifically the mexican-american community with the white community community and the african-american community how they were able to achieve a little bit more of a cohesion as much as they could through food and coming into the same restaurants and eating with each other and breaking down those barriers where unfortunately the law was totally about segregation and, and, and you know using state power to regulate racism versus the individual markets and private people who didn't care that were like no we don't care if you know that you have Mexicans with white people and African Americans and, and and whatnot. We don't care. Coming in, eat. We want we want your money. We want you to taste this food because it's freaking delicious. Um, give it a try and tell me what you think. And then based on their opinions and how frequent they come, or maybe they're like maybe it's a little too spicy. Maybe line it up a little bit. Whatever. They turned Mexican food into Tex-Mex. And, te and I'll be honest with you, I love Mexican food. But I love Tex-Mex, right? Just like any good, uh, good, you know, red-blooded Texan, right? We've got Tex-Mex, we've got barbecue, uh, we've got Cajun, we've now we've got Vietnamese, and then there's all the other nuances between that, right? That are phenomenal. I know in Houston uh, we have uh, great Korean food, uh, a nice um, Chinatown, um, lots of different regions, lots of different cultures. And we just, I mean, Houstonians know this, uh, that we just, we love the mix of food and all the variety and the choices you have. That happens in a free market, my friends. 
That does not happen in a regulated, controlled, democratic, socialist society, right? If it does, it barely happens, and it's very, uh, like there's, you know, how many Mexican restaurants do you know in, you know, European socialist countries, right? It's all very much about the regional foods, um, regional people doing regional things, which is all great, right? Regional food is excellent, but you need variety, man. You need variety. Um, and it helps with competition, right? Everybody's competing for customers. Everybody's competing to get that person seated on the, uh, in their restaurant so they make better food. They market to people in their area. So there's a lot of benefits to having a system that allows you choice. And, you know, thinking about the topics I wanted to talk to today, um, two very important topics, one being the immigration thing, um, and then second being this whole fad on the progressive side called democratic socialism. Kind of a funny name, but anyways. Two, two very dominant ideas on the left and the right that are just consuming the conversation. And I think, honestly, as a libertarian, hopefully if you're out there listening, maybe you're more independent, libertarian-ish, maybe not full-on libertarian party, that's totally okay, right? I don't expect anybody uh, to um, you know, get on the bandwagon just because I told them to. I'd rather them listen disagree maybe if you if you have different opinions think about different ideas let's have different options let's let's hash them out and let's see which one works um, and then let's try experimentation right let's let's have a system that allows us to try multiple choices and then figure out which one works best and which one doesn't and why they don't work um, etc um, and if you live in a system like that that is allows the window to try different things and give people different choices and let them choose for themselves, you get a better society, you know? And that's what you get in a free market system versus a democratic socialist controlled system. But anyways, but let's see, I'm gonna talk about how they're tied together. Um, I'm gonna talk about each slightly separated, but then we're gonna talk about how they're related with each other um, in a big way that I don't think most people think about. So right now the big topic, like I said before, is uh, is immigration. <clears throat> um, we have this huge, uh, well, the reports are very mixed and it's very confusing, but they say up to about 7,000 people from Central America who are working their way up through Mexico into the United States border. Right now, um, I don't believe, okay. ooh, my phone's talking. Right now I don't believe um, they are past central Mexico, um, but I believe they're working their way up through the southern part of Mexico right now. Um, from what I've seen in the news reports, the Mexican government has tried to come up with a solution um, where they are offering them um, some temporary documentation and identification um, to kind of uh, move into the economy of the, uh, the Mexican economy where they can find work, um, live a life, etc. So um, they're doing that, trying to wean some people off, going all the way to the U.S. border. The reaction from the United States government has been to send more military troops in preparation for this oncoming massive number of, of uh, immigrants coming up um, to the border. 
So, you know, one of the things I look at, again, is my, I have a bit of a structural process on my thinking. I always look at what's, what's my political theory? What is the evidence for it? And then what is a practical solution that we can still work within the boundaries of a libertarian idea, but solve the problem that we're looking at right now? And, you know, looking at libertarianism, really the fundamental idea with libertarianism, with borders, so to speak, is the fact that it really um, gets in the way of people's ability and, and natural right to travel, right? Um, we have it in our constitution, right? We have natural rights um, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And traveling, traveling where you want to to set up your life is a part of that natural right, right? Uh, the pursuit of happiness. And, um, you know, looking back on our history, you know, we had uh, the United States and Texas, really, Texas as well, had some very, very loose immigration laws. Um, it was essentially just a rubber stamp, you know, come here, sign your name, um, you know, you're going to buy 20 acres, you know, it's 20 cents, okay, you paid your money, here's the deed, you now own land and you are a citizen of the state or the United States, right? Um, and then I think over the years, immigration, immigration policy kind of built on top of itself. So now we have specific rules for... European immigrants who are coming in and we've got to be quote-unquote careful for diseases or what or whatnot and then we had a huge influx of Chinese people which we had uh, the Chinese Exclusion Act um, which limited um, how much you know how many how many immigrants from China could come um, and then you have you know uh, you know a huge influx of Latinos in this in the 60s and 70s so then you have even more laws on top of that um, and then now, you know, you have, uh, you know, the, you know, current presidents and administrations trying to use um, their power um, to kind of circumvent some of that stuff. I know President Obama tried to put some exclusions on like, a, you know, Dreamer Act. If you were born here, if you had a child that was born here, we would, you know, help you with some of the process. Trump you know, went harder on that one saying we're going to fully enforce the rules that are in there. So what I think what most people don't understand when it comes to immigration and immigration policy is that it is layered on top of layer on top of layer. A lot of things that don't make sense. A lot of, you know, things that are on the books that are historically um, there to exclude somebody like literally quite literally the Chinese ex the, the Chinese Exclusion Act has exclusion in the middle, right in the middle of the <laughs> of it, right? And so we do have a history, um, just like any human history, I, I don't think this is a, any different than any other country, of the fear of other people coming into your home, right? Your, your homeland, so to speak. Um, that has always been a fear. It's always been the same thing in Europe, um, in China, in Japan, and, and in Africa, right? There's still tribal warfare and in, in, in different regions, um, religious warfare, um, same thing with Latin America, same thing with North America. This is not really a new issue that is very specific to the United States. Every country has a fear of the outsider, right? 
xenophobia. That's what we call it. And that's what we're really seeing today, right? You see it very much on the the right wing um, people that are, you know, uh, in fear, <laughs> in fear of these immigrants that are coming, right? You know, uh, women and children and young men who are, you know, pushing through these very dangerous, um, you know, situations to get to the border and find the opportunities they want to, and. And they're scared of them? Like, what are they going to do, man? Like, <laughs> knock on your door and offer you, like, you know, solicitation of business? Like, like what's the, what the hell is going to go on? So um, I, I think the fears are a little bit uncalled for. Um, you know, me as a, as a, as a Mexican-American who is also a libertarian, um, you know, there's you traipse the line on, you know, when things are legitimate, you know, legal concerns versus when they just flat out some racist shit, right? And you know, and I, there's plenty of people who, you know, um, they use the veil of, you know, they're not paying their taxes or they're, you know, using our services, so to speak. Um, but really, it's just a fear of, the other right fear of something different coming in and you know messing up your system so to speak um so the issue has always been with conservatives at the at the surface level has always been they're not contributing to taxes they're going to be using our medical system um you know and our our free education and our free medicine um so to you know quote unquote um and that they don't want that right they don't think it's fair so when but when you look at when you look at those arguments especially in texas you realize that there's not much of a safety net right um if you live you know let's let's look at let's look at two things right let's look at education and let's look at uh health care right if you look at education education in the state of texas is funded through property taxes um, so that means if you have land, if you have a house and you're paying taxes, that pays into the education system, right? For Texas. So if you think about it, if you own a house, you're paying taxes. If you're renting from an apartment or an, you know, uh, uh, a lease or a leasee or whatnot, they're paying the taxes for you, but you're still paying the taxes even if somebody else is paying them for you. So. If you have an immigrant come in and they get a home or they get a, an apartment and they're renting an apartment or they end up buying a property, they're, buy, they're buying into the education system already. Um, and then on top of that, in the state of Texas, you know, the, the thing that funds most of our government is property tax and sales tax. Um, and it, to me, I think what that means is if they're buying stuff, or if they're renting a home, you know, they're buying into the system. So even if they don't have a social security number, uh, you know, a federal social security number, they're still paying state taxes, right? In Texas specifically, they're paying sales tax and property tax if they do any transaction in the market. So they're quite literally paying for their education and they're paying for any state services that they could be eligible for. But the thing I always, always, I'm very curious about with you know my fellow Texans who use those excuses 
as a reason to push immigrants out um, is the fact that we have a, the one of the weakest medical uh, state-funded medical systems in the United States. Like it's very thin, it's very loose, you know. Um, we don't have much, you know, in terms of social net protections. It's it's abysmal, and you know that's something else for a conversation on another time. But to say that you don't, you know, that you are against this against a more lax immigration policy simply because they're not buying into a very weak medical system in Texas um, just makes absolutely no sense because guess what? If they buy something in the state of Texas or if they rent a home or an apartment in Texas, they're paying taxes. They're paying taxes, man. And that means they should be able to get the eligibility of what they're paying for, right? That's what hap- that's that's how it works in a free market, guys, right? You pay for something, you get a service or you get a product. So, it doesn't work the other way, right? You don't pay a company money and then they go, "Well, you're illegal, so I can't really give you this Snickers bar," right? You give me money, right? I give you money, you give me food. I give you money, you give me the service, right? You don't ask me about my <laughs> my documentation status <laughs> it's just it's the silliest argument that I've heard from people um, no matter how you cut it right it's the silliest thing and even in, especially in Texas like you you will not make it if you don't work right it is incredibly hard I think people who uh, you know talk about our social our welfare system in the state of Texas, have never been into the welfare system of our state of Texas because it's, 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 it's nothing, right? Um, so, the fact that my fellow Texans are worried about that, it, it to me it's a silly. It's one of the sillier arguments that are out there. Um, it it for me it shows that we don't really understand how people pay into the system in the state of Texas, and then what you actually get for that money because. Let me tell you something. If you realized, you know, how much money you're paying in sales tax, how much you're paying property tax, and how much you're actually getting back, you'd be really pissed off, right? Um, you would definitely be there going, why am I paying into this terrible, terrible system? And why am I not getting a choice to get out of that system? So, anyways. Um, so, yeah. So, I think the libertarian position is really moving in the direction of open borders i know that's it's a very controversial topic but when you look at just the purity of it of natural rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness those are your natural rights the government does not give you those rights those are yours whether the government does anything or not those are yours um no government can give them to you so traveling, being able to migrate, fundamentally, theoretically, falls under those categories. And the only thing we should be putting at that border is either like sign-up booths, you know, for people to say like, hey, welcome to Texas, y'all. Um, here's some papers. We want y'all to get started right away. So we got the paperwork for you. If you got an ID or something like that, that's totally cool. Fill the information out. We're going to give you a temporary social security number so you can start paying into taxes, etc. You can find a job with this. Um, we'll get you started. 
hey, actually, this booth is funded by, you know, Farmer X, who's looking for some workers right now. Um, our economy is doing so great, according to Trump, that we've got jobs just falling over the streets. So if you need a job, we got some for you, right? Here's the guy that's going to sign you up with your temporary ID. You should be able to get started tomorrow, right? That's how the system should work, really, when you th really think about it, right? People should be able to come in, find a job, get settled in, and become a part of the that American dream that we all talk about, which is ideally working hard and earning your keep. I think there's a lot of good research out there that's talking about income inequality and how the American dream is is not in line with the reality of things. I totally get that. We can dive into that. But I think immigrants and and anybody who's coming here in the United States knows what we're about, right? It's about making your own. It's about working for yourself and finding the opportunities for yourself. Um, you got to earn your keep. There's no immigrant I've never met, you know, and, and personally that I've ever met that's like, you know what? I came in the United States for all the amazing uh, state benefits. <laughs> Nobody does that, right? If you're if you love state benefits, you're probably going to stay in the country you're from, right? Venezuela, right? Brazil. Um, Europe, you know, you're if you enjoy government benefits and you don't want to work hard, you're probably going to stay in those countries. Those people who are hungry for opportunity, who understand that they have to work hard, they got to bust their asses, they got to sacrifice for that. Those are the ones that are coming up here. So why are we blocking those out? Those are going to be great for our economy. And if President Trump, you know, is saying our economy is so great and everybody's got a job, well, we got plenty of room. For some immigrants who want to work you know because that is the foundation of this country immigrants who want to work right you come in you work you feed your family you find a home um, you share that with other people you share that with your family you share that with your neighbor um, you let you respect other people's ideas and other people's avenues of work and success and we respect each other that way right that's why america is this great melting pot in, you know, in my belief that it's a great melting pot of different values and different ideas, but we all understand we're here to work and we mind our own business, right? We don't hurt other people. So I think that's right in line with the libertarian values that we as libertarians uphold. So for me, this whole immigration topic is almost a no-brainer, right? We should be out there not putting military out there, which is, you know, Putting people with guns, you know, you know, trigger happy people, and not to say the military, not everyone's trigger happy, but we know what the military is used for. The military is used in defense to fight, you know. They're not there as border patrol. So retrofitting the, the U.S. Army, the U.S. military as a border patrol is the worst thing we could do, right? It's, it's asking for a bad situation to happen. What we need is a border patrol, not to push people out, but to to manage the flow of people coming in. And I think that's really a conversation that's missing from conservatives. It's not about controlling the flow in this or managing the flow in the sense that we want to make sure everybody gets proper documentation, that we're not bringing any diseases, like you know that we're making sure everybody's got the flu shots or immunized or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever, uh, you know, medical professions need to make sure we're not carrying any diseases in here. But once that's done, 
send them on their way, right? Hey, do you have the proper paperwork? If not, here's the paperwork. Do you have, you know, flu shots and, you know, this and that to for communicable diseases? Okay, if not, we got a, a privately funded um, group that's doing flu shots for everybody. Please get your shots before you leave. You got your paperwork done. You've got your uh, medical health issues done. Okay, you should be good to go. Um, we have some booths out here for uh, companies that are looking for workers right away. Um, if you're looking for work, talk to them about it. They will get you signed up. Maybe they'll fund some type of um, you know, at work living situation to get you temporarily on your own feet. Something like that, right? You can totally flow the system to work effectively versus becoming aggressive with people and putting people in a, in a situation that's going to ask for something bad to happen. If you look at what we're doing right now, you know, we're putting uh, these, we're separating families on the border. We're putting kids into these like, you know, camp situations that are terrifying people. And it looks terrible, right? You should be able to find a way to keep families together at the border, right? Um, while you're while they're being detained while they're trying to figure these things out they should be staying together right they're not criminals um not in this they're not violent criminals i should say uh i know Repu i know conservatives love to say that they're criminals and it's just the total like black and white idiotic thinking that says yeah because they broke a law they're illegals that is not how we look at those things right how many laws have you and I broken on a daily basis? Do we call each other illegals because we broke a law? No. <laughs> no. We don't call each other like that because we know it's just a total stab at us. So, and I think that cues in for me as, an, as a Mexican-American, um, especially being around enough, you know, my, my fellow Texans, you know when it's a legitimate, logical concern versus when it's straight up racist right straight up stereotype generalization maybe it's not aggressive violent racism but it's this unconscious bias that we have against other people against uh, people who are not like us and I think the more you're aware of it the better you can respond to it and go you know what um, really I you know and honestly that's the other part you know about in this you know kind of this growing PC culture where it's uh, you know, we were almost shaming people for having thoughts that we don't like. But, you know, I would honestly prefer people be more open and honest about their uh, misunderstandings, their stereotypes and their generalizations. So we can at least talk about it. You know, if somebody's saying, well, I thought Mexicans do this or Mexicans do that. I can say, well, some of them do, but not all of us. You know, um, you know, some of us <laughs> speak English just fine. Some of us are bilingual. Some of us aren't bilingual some you know some mexican americans only speak english and they have no idea how to speak spanish that's fine you know it's okay so i think we need to uh have a little bit more of an open dialogue on racial differences on stereotypes um you know any of these topics that we're a little bit curious on we need a bit of a broader um viewpoint and we need to make sure we're not just absolutely shaming people for having these thoughts. We need to correct, right? We need to learn. And I think we get into this environment where 
we're shaming people and we're we almost want them to like punish be punished and be beaten in public um when they do something wrong and we need to really start moving in this culture where we're learning that people make mistakes and they need to correct and fix those mistakes because that's the only way we're going to get better right as a society as we individuals go you know what i shouldn't have said that or i shouldn't have done that that was really wrong of me and here's what i'm going to do to make up for it right that's what most people want to hear right especially in your personal relationships right if you think about it if your husband or wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your family members do something wrong you want to hear the apology you want to hear it and not only just the apology you want to know how they're going to fix that right how they're going to repair this situation you don't want them to just go you know what i'm sorry and then move on right you want them to hear i'm sorry i really messed this up i want to i want to make amends or i want to fix this so it doesn't happen again that's what most people in their regular lives want to hear so why is that different from uh you know politics or social media or television or anything like that it's not people make mistakes and especially nowadays with social media where like everyone is aware of every little action you do we've got to be a little bit more uh a little bit less of a mob you know that's looking to just you know straight up kill somebody um and we need to be more conscious as individuals to say hey maybe we're hey mob maybe you guys are taking this out of hand and we need to take a step back and let this person admit their mistakes and make amends for it and learn from it um you know so but so versus just you know shunning this person out from the rest of society that's not how things get better you know and if you look at even even our prison system right that's what our prison system is designed for it's like uh, you know, let's punish the person and let's put them in a dark hole for 20 years. And then when they when they've done that, then we'll kick them out and go, hey, you know what? You're done. Congratulations. You're on your own. Peace, bro. Um, and then they end up committing more crimes and coming back and then, you know, costing taxpayers more money. Which we just love spending money on our inefficient systems. And there's are plenty of other prison systems that work on correcting and improving the behavior of people, very specifically nonviolent, um, you know, um, nonviolent criminals um, that can, you know, earn a degree or earn a job skill or, um, you know, transition out from prison to a halfway home to a full on moving on your own or, you know, uh, doing a job program or something like that like things that help develop people learn from their mistake and be better as a person for it um and i don't think that's available in our prison system right now but i mean look at look at what we do on social media like we just totally you know um we're, we're just looking for you know for the uh, public execution on this so I, I think we need to be a little bit more libertarian on these things more individual and in, in you know stand up against that mob that mob mentality that happens in both conservatives and progressive camps and say hey stop for a second think about what you're doing this is wrong you know and that's always been the position of the libertarian and uh especially in the conversations right now this extreme left extreme right conversations they're just sucking up the air that like it's kind of like they're thinking and it's it's so much it's 
it's like eerily similar thinking on the right and the left that it's like if you're not for me you are against me you know if you're not my ally you're my enemy and that really just pulls things away but you know that's the reason why there's fewer and fewer people who um, associate themselves as democrats or republicans because these people are just just so extreme and they don't allow for some plurality or some grayness or some differentiations of opinions you know it's like you're either with us or against us and that's really putting us in a very precarious situation um, very specifically the immigration right the immigration talk is either you know let them in no questions asked or you know no i should say i wouldn't say that because that's really the libertarian position is like hey let them in rubber stamp those paperwork get them a job right away right the 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 progressive position is more like let them in and let's subsidize their life um, until they're ready to get a job, right? Or ready to contribute to society. The extreme right-wing conservative view is don't let them in at all. And if they give you lip, you have the right to shoot them, right? Or deport them back to the country that they're from. Um, that type of thing. So there's no gray in this. and I. And for me, I feel like most of the people I've talked to, um, the bulk majority are right in the middle, a little bit more reasonable, a little bit more independent, a little bit more logical, saying, hey, you know what? We understand that we can't just carte blanche let anybody in without any questions. But at the same time, um, you know, um, we shouldn't be just turning them around, right? They're obviously people who want an opportunity, obviously want help. Um, there's a way for us to get them processed in the system easily and get them out there, put them in positions where they can start contributing to society right away and not adding a burden to the taxpayer. And I think for me, that's a little bit, that's much closer to the libertarian position than any conservative position or any progressive position, right? We're not looking to that we're not looking to recruit immigrants into a subsidy system, uh, but we're also not excluding immigrants simply because they are tapping into that subsidy system. What you really should be doing, and this is actually something that Ron Paul has been saying all the time, is you don't have an immigration problem. You have a welfare subsidy problem, and that you should be really be focused on that. You know. If you want to worry about immigration tapping into the system, why don't you just get rid of it altogether, right? That's his theory, right? But if you look at state systems like the state of Texas with sales tax and property taxes, the moment they rent a house, the moment they buy products, they're buying into the Texas state system. So the only really thing that they're getting benefit from is a federal system of uh of benefits so if that's the only thing that they're buying that they're getting benefit from and not buying into then give them a freaking temporary ID Social Security ID it's it's not that difficult to give somebody a paper and say you know you're here on a temporary work visa here's your temporary ID number you know that's the number you're gonna use on your work papers so here it is start working get going um, and then start contributing into the system. If it was really genuinely about not putting into the system, right? 
then you would just solve it by putting him to the system, right? Giving him the freaking paperwork right away, you know? Instead of having all this military out there, maybe we just need little booths, sign-up booths, you know? <laughs> Amer you know, sign-up, you know, Texas sign-ups, you know? Somebody with a with some boots and a tech, you know, uh, and a hat who's got a nice draw to them saying, "Howdy y'all. Welcome to the state of Texas. I'm your host, Caesar Aguirre. I'm here to get you set up to make sure you can live the best American values that you can. Um, here's some paperwork. Here's some corporate sponsors we got back here that are looking for work. They will sign you up right away if you want a job that pays, I don't know, whatever they're paying, right? If you want a job right now, talk to this guy. He will get you set up. You get the paperwork. You get the, any flu shots or anything that we're worried about in terms of diseases. Get those shots. Get them signed up for paperwork. They get a temporary ID so far. And then they go out there. They get recruited. They get some temporary housing. We could use you know companies and corporations that are looking to hire these people. You know, get, let Ask them to you know set up some temporary housing situations which many companies do already so you know so the taxpayer doesn't have to come out on anything of it right just sign up the paperwork make them sure they're putting into the system already they have a job lined up those jobs are providing temporary housing you know say give them two three months you know of temporary housing and then they've got to find something on their own something like that could totally work but it would only work with a libertarian principles on it right if we're moving more towards a more open border which is the fundamental idea of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness then we can go there and we can at least manage we don't have to um, you know put a wall up and border people out we can manage the flow right we can, and we can say you know border management instead of border patrol you know um, Get them in there, get the Border Patrol out there, making them direct traffic of people of, hey, you know, welcome. Um, we need you to sign up. We need you to fill out some paperwork. Um, we need you to talk to these certain people about any uh, medical issues. They get you checked up. They get your shots done. And then we've got some recruiters out there that will talk to you. I mean, imagine if that was the border system, dude. I mean, how awesome would that be? You know, that would be totally American right there. You come into the United States, you come into Texas, and they're like, howdy, y'all. I got some paperwork for you. Um, we want you to start contributing to the system right away. Um, we want to make sure you're not carrying any diseases. So we got a doc who's going to check you out and make sure you're healthy. And then guess what? We got, you know, Tyson Farming and Strawberry Farms and all this other stuff. They're desperate for people because guess what? Americans don't want to do the farming jobs anymore. So we got all this stuff for you guys waiting for you. We would love for you to use this as a jumping board, right? And guess what? If you sign up with them, they'll give you two months temporary housing until you can get up on your own two feet. That would be such a great freaking deal, right? Processing people in the right direction, getting them put into our, our government system, getting them a job getting him in line with American values. That's the way you do it, guys. That's the way you do it, right? You don't let them in willy-nilly and then subsidize them for three, four years, right? On the other side, you don't just push them out and tell them, bye, 
you know, go to your consulate, go to the American consulate in your home country where people are trying to kill you and sign up some paperwork. And then when you get the approval, then you can come over here. No, no. If you can make it this far, we should be directing the flow of that traffic, not being assholes about it, right? We need to go out there and be like, you know what? Hey, man, welcome. We need you to fill out this paperwork. We need you to get uh, checked up by a doctor, make sure you're healthy. We get the flu shots and everything there, immunizations or whatnot. And then we say, hey, man, you're good to go. Guess what? We've got some corporate sponsors here that will gladly get you a job right away. They're looking for people. They're looking for some workers. You could start as quickly as tomorrow or next week. And guess what? They will also offer you temporary housing until you get your own, on your own two feet. That, my friends, is freaking American right there. That is being a Texan, right? Helping our fellow man, helping our fellow Texans become independent, becoming uh, self-sufficient. That's how we do it, man. Um, and I think you would be able to meet both things, right? Conservatives about worried about them not paying into the system and, and taking out of it. They would be paying right into it right away. And then you have the other side on the progressive sides where, you know, they're worried about these immigrants being treated inhumanely and not being given a chance. You would solve both of those problems with the libertarian solution. So anyways, I think this whole immigrant fear is, um, is a little bit overblown, more specifically with conservatives who are just on the verge of, like, apocalypse, right? They just think... If anybody comes in, the world is going to come to an end. You know, our system is going to be totally crushed, etc., etc. Which, by the way, it's kind of weird that, you know, conservatives are trying to uh, uphold the integrity of a socialist system, right? Because that's what, that's what, you know, Medicare and Medicaid and, um, you know, um, you know, public education and, public health funding that's all state funding that's all socialism you know very terrible socialism but it's it's statism um at its finest that's what socialism tries to uphold so it's so weird why conservatives are trying to uphold socialism when they when you know the president just bashed socialism as a as a terrible idea well dude border 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 control and border walls are a socialist concept, right? I mean, East Germany, think about the, the Berlin Wall, the, per, the, the, the quintessential wall, right? Um, dividing two parts of Berlin, two parts of Germany, and it got torn down because of that, right? Or you think about the, the, the Great Wall of China. That shit got torn down too by the Mongolians, man. Um, it's just inviting, inviting people to tear it down, you know? Um, it's just the worst idea ever, right? But typical conservative, right? Typical Republican. You're going to think, oh, what we need is a wall and border patrol and military to prevent this apocalypse from happening, right? And it's literally just a group of immigrants, of people who, you know, are fleeing the con their country to come for a better opportunity. And we're treating them like that with a wall and a military with a gun to their face? This is not America. That is not America. That is not freedom. That is not Texas. You know? So we've got to find a better solution. Especially if you think about 
border walls and border security is a socialist concept. You know, Medicare and Medicaid, um, public education, these are socialist concepts. Why is the Republican Party, why are conservatives trying to uphold socialist concepts when they're on the other side talking about how bad socialism is? Dude, you are upholding socialist concepts. Stop being a hypocrite about it. So I think this is something that um, progressives and libertarians actually have in common. We are, we do support immigrants into the country and we want to manage that flow a little bit more efficiently, you know, and that's where the nuance with libertarians come in. We don't want just nobody watching the border or not like, you know, people just be able to come in without any question. We obviously want to make sure that A, they've got proper documentation, right? Um, and maybe they're not carrying any diseases um, and that maybe they have a job lined up. I mean, if those are the three criterion, um, it should be very easy to get those set up right at the border, right? Um, <laughs> put your business where the customers are at. That's what we say in the free market, right? Put up sign-up booths <laughs> all across the border, right? California to Texas, put up sign-up booths. Make the Border Patrol um, change their name, right? Put them as border managers or border supervisors and say, hey, your job is to process and flow people in the right direction, right? Make sure they have the proper documents signed up. Make sure they've been checked up by a doctor to make sure they're not carrying diseases. And make sure they know that there's all these companies that are recruiting people right away. Get those threes, get them on their way, and then get back to the border. Because that's really what it should be, you know? So anyways, I think the libertarian solution is probably the best solution. Well, my libertarian solution is probably the best solution for today's work. And it moves us closer to an open border, right? Not so much that we're not looking, not so much that um, that we don't care who's coming, but we're allowing this uh, flow to come in, but we're learning to manage it more efficiently. Um, I think, to me, that's the best idea. So, I think, uh, for the most part, um, I think most of us know that you know being immigration friendly is the best position and we understand how to process and flow that traffic is the best solution that will get us closer to an open border without you know putting a wall up and being closed out of the rest of the rest of the world we know walls don't work we know um, that walls are made to be taken down down so it makes no sense. And especially to make the taxpayer pay for it, it's the dumbest thing. So anyways, so um, I'll leave that topic down. Um, and the other the other thing I wanted to talk about was this uh, this wave that's happening of, of progressives and mostly uh, people on the democratic position who are now trying to push this idea of democratic socialism and I got to say, it, it's kind of bothersome. Um, I mean, as an American, as a fellow, as a Texan, it bothers me because, you know, we have this culture of, of, of self-sufficiency, of making it on your own. Um, we get that there's certain um, groups on the fringes that may need a little help. So let's, let's offer a little help. Um, I think that's something libertarians can, can concede is like, okay, maybe we don't need like a 
giant safety net for people in low income, um, people who um, need help. I mean, we obviously want to help them, um, but maybe there's a, a way for public-private partnership to come in, um, you know, something like a halfway house or, um, you know, the local community funding, you know, churches who, like, who help people, um, you know, with some temporary housing, that type of thing. There's a way to do it um, that is not going to be an exorbitant amount of money on public funding that we don't get any value out of. But on top of that, I mean, you know, if you look at um, things like, um, you know, people who are on the fringes of like low income and stuff like that, we know that global poverty is slowly being reduced and dwindled down to nothing because of free markets and free trade. So there's more people working, more people earning income, and that is the most positive way to get out of poverty, right, is working and earning money and trading and getting into the market of buying and selling, right? And we know that, right? Because, you know, we, we uh, I believe Human Progress, if you know their page, they just reported that in, you know, a couple of months ago that we hit uh, an event in human history where we've had the lowest amount of extreme poverty in human history. It's below, I believe it's below 12 or 10%. That's the first time in human history. And they attribute all of that to the fact that we are doing free trade and we're doing uh, free markets. People are out there building an economy and they're getting out of poverty and it, it, very specifically extreme poverty, right? And then just last week, they reported um, new results that were showing more than half of the world's population is middle class. Um, and that's the first time in human history that we've had more than half the population in middle class. So for me, and, and again, sorry, they're attributing the same thing. It's because of free trade and free markets that people are getting jobs, earning income, getting out of poverty, and then their children, those generations after, they start at a higher level playing field and they move up slowly out of um, the lower income to middle income. You know, And that's incredible. I, I wish more people would talk about the positives that are going on than about the negatives. I think the biggest thing that obviously, you know, democratic socialists are talking about is income inequality. They're talking about, um, you know, how much the 1% owe, uh, uh, has versus the rest of us 99% or whatever. But I think the big flaw in democratic socialists in terms of economics is they view, they view economy and income as like a pie and you know, that the rich are just eating out the entire pie and then middle and, and low income gets this little slither. But really, economy is not a pie. It's a growing, well, it's a growing pie, right? It doesn't stay the same. So the pie gets bigger. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the wealthy get more, but also we're looking at the increase of middle class people and the reduction of low income uh, or extreme poverty. What that means is, there's bigger pie for people to become middle class, you know, and earn more income and get out of poverty. And I think that's an aspect that democratic socialists absolutely miss. You're because because what they're looking at is, yeah, the rich are getting richer, but guess what? The poor are not getting poor. The poor are getting richer as well. Um, so there is a complete gap in the conversation with democratic socialists 
who want to say, well, we want to regulate and control the market so that way we make sure everybody earns the proper income. And it's like, no, dude, you know, the free trade and free economies are moving more people out of poverty into middle class. And there's more people moving from middle class to upper class and wealthy than there ever was before in human history. So I think the fact that everybody is getting lifted up with free markets and free economies is something that we really need to fight as libertarians, as people who support the free market, is really need to drive that fact down, is saying, hey, I get it. The rich are getting richer, but guess what? The poor are getting richer as well. There's more middle class um, citizens of the world than there ever was in human history. And there's less people in extreme poverty than there ever was in human history. We need to make sure they understand that. And it's not because of increased in socialized systems. Very much to the contrary. Many countries, many countries are coming down from the amount of socialist regulated systems and they're moving into a more free market system. And that's one of the things that we have to debunk as well. You know, anytime you talk about examples of socialism, you know, obviously for us as libertarians, we look at the bad ones, right? We look at Venezuela, uh, we look at Cuba where poverty is, is rampant. Um, we look at Spain, we look at Greece, people who are just melting, right? Massive unemployment, massive poverty. Um, and we look at that and then we look at, you know, uh, other quasi-socialist you know and communist countries that are really infringing on people's individual rights like Russia like China North Korea um, you know but those are a little bit harder because you know Russia and China specifically are moving towards a more free market um, system where they can earn more money for their citizens so they're slowly transitioning out of communism and extreme socialism and moving into a more uh, free market system, even though they're having their their government structures are more authoritarian. But I think what will what we've seen in human history is that you know once you open up the markets, um, that's actually the, the biggest driver of change in terms of authority and government systems. Once people have choice, once people have money, once people have a little bit more power. Um, they're gonna want to change their system and especially remove corruption for the system because I know as much as we like to think that our government is corrupt man if you go out there to the rest of the world <laughs> it doesn't get any easier I gotta say that but I think what really good about free trade and free economy is that it opens up those choices it opens up that awareness and, and makes people realize that you know what we don't need this authoritarian government we need a reduction of authoritarianism we need a little bit more choice we have buying power um, we have voting power and we want move to move uh, towards a more democratic society so I think that's the, always the benefit of free trade and free markets and, and of capitalism right if we look at the Cold War with Russia the reason why the Berlin Wall fell the reason why communism collapsed in Russia it's not because we fought them with our military it's because capitalism was so much better, right? In communism, the extreme form of socialism, the ultimate aim of socialism is communism. It just bankrupted the entire country and put so many people into poverty that it just collapsed. So uh, if you look at you know, how we're gonna solve an immigration system, how we're gonna solve a healthcare system, how we're gonna solve an education system, 
it's not going to be through government controlled regulated monopolies it's always going to be through choice always going to be through deregulation that you're going to find those solutions and you're going to give that power back to people um, and i think that's always going to be the lesson that's this the the solid stance of libertarians yes you know there's some ancillary uh government responsibility there's a lot of great arguments on how you know research um, academic research needs to be funded by state or federal because sometimes it doesn't have an application in the free market but you need these common sciences to be discovered and then the applications get put out on the free market there's some good you know discussion there but all i say is especially with education and academia and research is that all i want you to do is allow competition so if you have if you have federal federally funded dollars to research then you also need to allow and be open to private funded research which there is plenty of privately funded research out there as long as they have the same criterion um, and the same scientific rigor and scientific method then it shouldn't matter where your funding comes from so if you if you say yeah we need federal funding from you know from the government to do our scientific research that's okay you know that you're you're totally government still has some form of ancillary involvement in these things right but i say you have to let government compete with private funding because um, there's plenty of private research out there that develop great results um, and there's plenty of places that do mix between public and private um, public private partnerships partnerships is also a great concept in libertarianism that I think is underutilized um, in the conversations as well. There's a way that we can work together um, in a good way and in a work in a good, efficient way that we need to really start talking about as well. So there's a lot of things that that democratic socialists don't really understand or maybe they go to the extreme of understanding what capitalism really means, um, how it actually works in the free system one of the big things uh, that democratic socialists um, um, believe in is unions, right? Um, they're actually using libertarian words, which is collective bargaining. But guess what? In a libertarian society and a free market, um, collective bargaining is exactly what you need to do, right? You have a consolidation of you know three or four companies that want to do consolidated um, negotiations with another company or you have workers that want to collectively come together and hire one representative for them, that's okay too. Um, you know, the only thing libertarians talk about that's different from a democratic socialist is the voluntary exchange. It's the free will to decide whether you want to be in that collective or whether you're not. And I, the thing that really breaks down with democratic socialists is the force aspect is the involuntary nature of everything right healthcare education workers unions all of these things you are forced in it as an individual to be a part of you have no choice right and even if you said you don't want to be a part of it you still have to pay into it which is another involuntary action so i say the goals of a libertarian view of collective bargaining right of, of multiple companies being able to collectively bargain against another company, right? Or for you to be able to do a private contract with somebody else and that state to 
to make sure the contract is executed out properly. These things happen in a capitalist free society versus a democratic socialist society. And uh, one of the other, you know, one of the other big topics that that democratic that democratic socialists um, seem to bring out, which is a complete terrible uh, destruction of individual rights, is the fact of of private ownership of property. Um, in a democratic socialist society, you don't own property, right? You can buy goods and services, but you can't own property in that country or in that state. And that is the absolute crumble of individual rights, right? Property rights, um, you know, very much, there's a great, you know, the basis of, of that argument is, I believe, John Locke. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody out there. But property rights um, is the cornerstone to individual rights, right? Because the moment you own property, you know, is that moment that you can do what you want with it, right? And nobody has the capability to take that away from you. And the government should be protecting property rights, um, which by a natural extension go out to individual rights, right? Because you are your own property. You know, your body is your own property. Your mind is your own property. Um, so that concept of whatever you own is yours and nobody can come in and violate that property, violate those rights. That is the cornerstone to individual rights, which individual rights is the cornerstone to, to civil liberties, right? Um, you know, not being able to own another person, you know, AKA a slave. Nobody has that right, right? Because that's a violation of your individual right, which you, you as an individual, you are your own property. So, you know, these things, pile on top of each other but at the fundamental level it's about property rights and it's about individual rights that bleed into civil liberties um, you know women's rights uh, minority rights um, you know LGBTQ rights you know, all those things come from that idea of property rights and that's again another thing that I think we should really talk about when it comes to progressives people who want democratic socialists because they see that as a as an avenue to be able to get equality of rights but really the libertarian path is the best best path if you are a minority if you are you know uh, black Hispanic Asian if you're a female if you're in the LGBTQ if you have any of these um, variables that make you unique to the majority um, being a libertarian is the best position to be in because it's all about you know individual rights um, where you're not being judged or you're not being singled out because of a single aspect of your personality or of you as a person you know and that goes into the property rights right nobody has that ability to violate you as a property you your own that you are your own property that you are a unique person to yourself and nobody should judge you based on your skin color or your gender or your sexual orientation none of these aspects you know make up you as a whole person you know so instead of and this is kind of an argument that ron paul has made several times is that individual rights is minority rights or women's rights or lgbtq rights because nobody should be judging you for those specific criteria right um they should be judging you based on the person you are so if we 
if we uphold individual rights and if we uphold private property rights, then we uphold all those things that we're dealing with right now. You know, so I think um, you know, looking at democratic socialism, I think it's a fad that's happening on the left. However, I don't think it's picking up in America, in the United States, and very specifically in Texas. Um, you know, it just doesn't have the traction it is. And I think looking at voters, looking at you know the mass majority of my fellow Americans and my fellow Texans. Um, who are a little bit more independent, that want more freedom, um, they're not looking for democratic socialism, right? They're not looking exactly for conservative Republican form of government, but they don't want the democratic socialist form of government. And uh, I think they're right. I think we should really say, hey, you know what? We get you know other countries' rights and abilities to self-determination and how they want to set up their own systems. They are responsible for their own successes and failures. But here, we want to try something else, right? There's plenty of countries that have tried democratic socialism. Let them give it a try. But here, we value freedom. We want maximal freedom. We want the government in some ancillary uh, positions. But we don't want the government to be the central focus of these different topics, right? We don't want the government to be right in the middle of healthcare right in the middle of public education, right in the middle of education, and then right, a bit of, right in the middle of our business. Maybe we want them there, you know, kind of as, a, as one of the voices, as one of the inputs for us to listen to and s decide for ourselves. But for them to be right smack up in the middle of things, they should not be there, right? They need to be put out into the ancillary, put out to the side and say, you know what, we're listening, we respect your opinion, and we're going to do XYZ whether we agree with you or not, right? And there's some avenues you could talk about, like maybe in the public realm, in the public space, public sphere of how the government can make sure everybody is uh, respecting each other's rights and that we're not violating each other's rights. That's totally okay, right? I think that's good as acceptable as a practical, practical libertarian solution. Um, but these things aren't possible in a democratic socialist society, right? You can't own property. Um, there's no free market, right? Production and work is controlled by the government. Um, your rights are controlled by the government. This is just, for me, democratic socialism is a calamity of setup that we've seen in, in human history. Like we know, you know, from the 18th century and the 19th century, that socialism was an absolute failure. We know capitalism is the best way to do things, right? In terms of how your how your markets work, right? Now, if you want some ancillary stuff around that, like maybe there's some slight regulation, maybe you're you know trying to subsidize this one thing, or you know you there's slightly subsidized, but you also allow people to uh, you know take their money where they want to. Um, you know, finding some type of hybrid situation that allows people more maximal choice is the best way to go because that's ultimately what libertarians want, right? We want more maximally choice types of things. However, when you look at it, and I'm, I'm looking at my timeline, so I'm going to cut off here, but what I wanted to bring about between the similarities between this immigration fear and democratic socialism is the fact that we're allowing our government to control the choices, our own choices, right? People coming in. And they're choosing for us that they don't want them, right? Or democratic socialism, choosing the type of markets, choosing the type of services that I get. 
This is the same mentality, you guys. Democratic socials and progressives have the same mentality as Republican conservatives who want to control your choices and tell you what to do. And to me, this is why, uh, this is why, this is why voting Democrat or Republican sucks, right? Because either way, they're telling you what choices you have, and uh, that's not exactly a free society, right? So I totally suggest for anybody out there, any independent, any libertarian who realizes that Republican conservatives suck and Democratic Socialist progressive Democrats, they suck too. They both want to take choices away from you. And you have to get up and tell them, I want to choose for myself, right? I want choices. I want choices in the healthcare. I want choices in public education. I want choices in the market about what types of things I eat. Now, if the government wants to go in there and just mitigate and make sure everything is okay and everything's being treated fairly we can we can talk talk about that but the government providing services and the government providing education and the government providing you know your choices that you have in the market is the absolute wrong way it's uh to quote Ludwig, Ludwig von Mises on his book it's the road to serfdom right how a progressive democratic socialist in the guise of we're helping society um, is moving us to the road of you know servitude and poverty that's not the way we want to go so I absolutely urge everybody out there if you're not a big fan of conservatives you're not a big fan of uh, progressives and democratic socialists call them out for it tell them exactly how you feel that I don't like your views because you're giving you're not giving me choices you're telling me what to do that's not freedom that's not America that's not Texas right Texas out here you make it on your own you live by your own values that's ultimately what a Texan is about um, and you come out here you work you earn your keep you live off of your own values and guess what the only other part that you really got to do is respect other people's rights to do what they want to do um, and then you have a society where people are allowed to choose the lives they want to and um, you can live a, you know a life where it's not about just making money as what democratic socialists claim is what capitalism is about you can live a life fulfilled and happy with the pursuits that you want to do life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that's the foundation of the constitution foundation of american values and the foundation of texas values so make sure to keep that in mind call them out let them know you're not voting for them anymore right you want to you want to you want my vote you want my support you need to take more libertarian positions you need to become much closer to the libertarian point than you are right now adapt libertarian positions or guess what you know i'm going to start pushing this libertarian party which i have by the way i keep telling people like as long as i live i'm you know going to be pushing libertarian the libertarian party to become a viable third party at some point in our lives right long term plan we need more parties than two, right? We totally need a third party. We also need a fourth party and a fifth party. We need multiple parties with different ideas that we can go out and talk about avenues ideas. Because right now, you're only getting a Republican conservative view and a Democratic progressive view, which guess what? They're not really that much different, right? They don't offer too many different solutions, right? Libertarians are really only, you know, major party out there that's offering an alternative solution 
um, that is not anything remotely close to a you know uh, government controlled uh, public education that's conservative or government-controlled public education that is more progressive. We need choices, right? We need the ability to go, you know, to a religious academy or, uh, you know, a charter school or a magnet school or something that focuses on science or something that focuses on literature, you know, things that are more sharp in what they deliver and allow people the choices to what they want to do. So. Anyway, so that's that's me. I'm going to wrap this up right now. Um, but uh, we're still in the voting season. We're in early voting um, here, I believe, November 9th or November 10th is our final day of voting here in Texas. Um, I think I've told you guys, but I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to voting for Neil Dykeman. And uh, Tippett's, I believe, is, voting, is running for governor. So um, I want you to know that there's some libertarians out there on the ballot. You do have a choice. Don't let the Democrats and Republicans think you have no choice but to vote for the lesser of two evils. You've got a choice, my friends, and you got it on the ballot. Very much in the liberty, prosperity, independent, alternative ideas, libertarians are out there. Get a chance. Talk to them. Listen to them. See what they say. But I guarantee you won't be disappointed. Anyways, y'all have a good week, and uh, I'll be hearing from y'all soon. Bye.